0: And It was a big day in the courts across the nation. First, let me start with some breaking news that happened around lunchtime today. That is the verdict in the Jennifer Crumley case and unique case. A mom charged with negligence, criminal negligence for the school shooting of her son, Ethan, who was 16 years old or 15 at the time of the shooting and actually took out, killed four young students and injured a lot more with a handgun bought for him by his father and gifted to him by his mom, according to the prosecution. On count
1: one of involuntary manslaughter as to Madison Baldwin, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count two of involuntary manslaughter in regards to Tate Muir, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. On count three, as to involuntary manslaughter regarding Hannah, Hannah, St. Juliana, we find the defendant guilty of involuntary manslaughter. And in count four of involuntary manslaughter against Justin Schilling, we find the defendant guilty of
0: involuntary manslaughter. So I have some thoughts on it. First, my hearts go out to the parents. Losing a child is never anything that's ever going to be replaced. But... The verdict itself, well, the prosecution's trial of same gave me some palpitations. First, before the case, I thought she was absolutely guilty. But during the case, to rely or talk about or bring up an affair and bring up the fact that she went out riding her courses, well, if this were a man and probably a president of the United States even, we wouldn't be hearing so much about how the affairs calls a dereliction and the duty of being a mother. We wouldn't be hearing about how a golf game or semi golf games or hundreds of golf games it calls a dereliction of duties. But with the women we do, because women are held to a different standard in raising the child. I think, than a mom. However, having said that, having said that, and I also have a problem with the fact that there's, it's a criminal negligence. In many states, criminal negligence is not a crime. There's no such thing as criminal negligence here. Uh, the fact that upon hearing about a shooting at the school, the dad went to look to see if there was a gun gone and called the mom, and the mom texted her son, don't do it. That seems to indicate to me that perhaps they thought, perhaps they thought their son was, son was a school shooter. Maybe she shouldn't have taken him to the gun range. But then again, if you were arguing the case from the other end, you would say, you didn't train your son by taking him to the gun range. So there's a lot of back and forth here. All we truly know is she is going to go to jail. There will be an appeal. And the fact that those four young people, their lives will never be brought back to life. And their families will never be the same. So with that said, let me now go to the news of the day. And that's our own Michael Bryant. Michael Bryant, you were out at the Traconis trial today. But before we get into that, I want your thoughts on the Jennifer Crumley
1: Yeah, hey, Linda, uh, quite the day. Not here necessarily in Stanford. We'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, the, the Crumley case, not all that surprised with the verdict because I think we figured if we were going to find a parent responsible for the actions of a child, it would be in a scenario in which you have a school shooting, where you have such sympathy for the four students in this case that were killed by the son of the defendant, Jennifer Crumley. My concern, though, is, uh, here's the legal cliche, it is, man, a slippery slope when you start giving responsibility for a parent for the actions of a child. And you got to start wondering, if I loan my car to my kid, and, uh, you know, he's never had a wreck, but he likes the speed and i know he likes the speed then he goes out on the road and he gets in a crash caused by speed kills somebody is that could be my responsibility i don't know and this this verdict makes that question very unclear so this will go up on appeal we know that and there will be some perhaps guidance coming from appellate courts as to at what point a parent is responsible or is it just going to be thrown out as hey it's case by case we're going to uh, defer to the jury's decision on this case Most important next for Jennifer Crumbly is how long she might do. You know, she could do 60 years, four times 15. I don't know about that. First time offender, very unique set of circumstances. Yeah, my guess is the over under about seven years. But we'll see that sentencing coming up on April 9th, Linda.
0: Michael, now I want to talk Traconis. Now, who is she? Michelle Traconis, as you know, is on trial in Connecticut, conspiracy to murder. Her lover Photos Doulos' estranged wife, Jennifer Dulos, whose body has never been found. And I keep saying whenever I introduce this case, find Jennifer Dulos for her family. But there was a big day in court today. Michael Bryant, you were there. What happened? <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's talk about why I am here in Stanford. Big day today because the witness that I talked to you about last week, and I knew it was coming this week, Paul Gamini, uh... has taken the stand. Now, remember, this is the guy that used to work for Fotos Dulos and got a deal, and the deal was talked about. He was given immunity, um, and it was primarily from a, uh, a a claim that he might have been hindering prosecution. So, key moment from his testimony, and I'm telling you, the jury was sitting forward. I'll tell you about their actions here in just a second. But uh, the quote was, the bitch should be in the ground next to the dog. That was allegedly what Fotos Dulos said about Jennifer Dulos when his dog, his Labrador, was dying. He had to put it to sleep, and Jennifer Dulos allegedly would not let the kids say goodbye to this dog. And that is what, if you believe Paul Gamini... Uh, led to the statement by Fotos Doulos that uh, Jennifer Doulos should be in the ground next to the dog. So that happened about a month before she disappeared, which was May in uh, 2019. So here's the jury. They're in the box. Remember, we're down to eight. We got six in the box plus two alternates. They used to be all scattered about. Uh, you know, there were empty chairs here and there because, you know, we've lost four alternates along the way, and people kind of get stuck in their chairs, very hesitant to move to another chair when somebody disappears. Well, today all crowded to the furthest point, closest to the witness stand as they could be. And this is one of those witnesses. You know what happens in every case, Linda? You've got a, a name that you've heard about. You expect to hear their testimony. You don't know what they got to say, but it is critical. We've heard so much about the vehicle that he had that day. So when Paul Gemini's name is announced and this guy walks through the center of the courtroom to get to the witness stand, everybody in the jury box is following his every move. And he's kind of a slight guy. I uh, was uh, looking at him in the uh, in the hallway as they began to um, head back into the courtroom after the lunch break. Kind of disheveled, clearly not happy to be there. Uh, he had, had his own representative as well. And so, uh, the testimony they had provided was something this jury had been waiting for. And other than that Fotis Dulos' comment about Jennifer Dulos and the, the dead dog reference, uh, very important moments. Let me give you just one. He talked about some keys. Remember, this, ca- this case is so full of vehicle information, it drives you crazy. But he had the uh, Tacoma. His car was the red Tacoma truck, right? So during the course of the day of the, the, the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos, this was May 19th, or May 24th, 2019, there were cars all over the place. And there was one point where photos Dulos, Paul Gamini, and Michelle Traconis all in separate vehicles were in one of the houses that was being sold by the four group remember the Fotos Doulos business to build homes and sell them one odd thing that this witness noticed was his keys to his Tacoma were hanging outside the passenger door you know in the lock he hadn't been using that vehicle he had been using the Raptor which is another vehicle very important in this case and he wasn't sure who had been using it why or where but his keys in the door lock for the passenger side of that vehicle. He leaves to go do something, comes back. Now the keys are gone. He can't find the keys anywhere. He has given nobody the permission to take those keys, use those keys, or use the vehicle. So it leads to a lot of questions. I'm not sure exactly what it means in the big picture at this point, but that is part of this key testimony that Paul Kamini is is playing out for this jury.
0: Now, Michael, you had a chance to talk to Michelle Traconis' mom, really. What did, what did she say? What have you learned? What can you tell us?
1: Remember that uh, Maricela Turconis, the mother of Michelle Turconis, was very upset because Paul Gamini got this immunity deal, right? She felt like, hey, if he's getting this deal, why isn't Michelle so we can you know, wrap up this case and let the cops know everything they need to know, maybe even find Jennifer Dulo's body. So I talked to her during the break, uh, confirmed a couple of things. First of all, she is not testifying in this trial michelle zirconis's mom will not be testifying in this trial she has testified in prior hearings related to other evidentiary matters the other thing is uh, you know i asked her i said you know you were upset because paul Gamini got this immunity deal uh so how do you feel watching him now testify in this trial uh she was hesitant to say much you could tell but she she just looked at me and said uh, J- just guess I could guess, based on her body language and uh, her demeanor, she's not happy to see this guy. It's playing out as, as she knew it would, and this guy is on the stand to roll over and turn on her daughter, Michelle Traconis.